Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jason Liu from uh, DMV. So DMV is very much committing to support industry and the, uh, all the different experts, but very much now on the digital and smart transition. So I'm very honored today to uh, moderate this session today. And the topic for this session is green shipping, the race to zero. So as we know that shipping is under undergoing a major tran transition or transformation, uh, getting to a more green shipping. And uh, this is, I think that is a race, not only about speed, but it's very much about the pathway, how you get there in a technically and also commercial viable, let's say, uh, manner. Today, we, we are very glad to have the panelists from the uh, ship owners and also for American P&I Club. So firstly, please allow me to introduce the panelists. To my uh, left, we have uh, uh, Ms. Judy uh, Chen from, as head of Dry Cargo China from Northern. And I just go with this direction. So we also have Mr. Dario Pochetti as head of energy saving R&D and ship design from Green Maddy Group. We also have Captain Zhang, but I think he's coming soon. So he's the general manager of ship management from Huaguang Maritime Transport. And we have uh, Ms. Daisy Girl as a senior consultant from uh, Las Carreras Shipping Company. Last but not least, we also have Ms. Joe Wan from American P&I Club. So I want to start with uh, a round of uh, short introduction by the panelist on his company and also on their company and also decarbonization strategy and a bit maybe highlight on the major initiative. Maybe we can start with uh, uh, Judy first. Thank you. Hello, everyone. It's uh, my honor to come to Capital Links Forum uh, this year. And I'm from Norden. Uh, Norden is a Danish shipping company uh, with a history of uh, 152 years. And we have been doing business with uh, China actually from late 19th century, so actually more than 130 years. Um, so it's a long-term commitment in China. And we are very honored uh, that we will share some um, our, how to say, our uh, measures and initiatives in our uh, greenhouse uh, control, um, uh, control uh, systems. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, there, please. Good morning uh, to everybody. Uh, my name is Dario Bocchetti, Grimaldi Group. We operate, uh, we have 130 ships and we have 25 new buildings nowadays in China. In four Chinese shipyards, we build and we operate Roro, Ropax, PCTC, and uh, yes, passenger Roro and cars, and uh, we trade uh, worldwide. What I do is about uh, the ship design of all the new building and the decarbonization strategy of the group. Hello, dear distinguished friends. I'm Ge Feng Yan from Lascaris Shipping. Uh, thanks to the organizers, I'm happy to share this delighted moment with all of you. Lascaris Shipping is one of the great shipping company, and Mr. Lascaris himself, I think, he's one of the pioneers in Greek shipping that opened his office in China more than 20 years ago. So we are involving for the head, head company 
for the head office in both chartering, new buildings, and also others, whatever the, the mother company required from us here. We are very happy to share this moment with all of our colleagues here. Thank you. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Joe Wan. I work for the American PNI Club. Uh, the American PNI Club is quite committed to the uh, China, China market. We got um, our, uh, our office back in 2008 in Shanghai. I believe it's, uh, we are the first uh, IG PNI Club in, uh, uh, got the office uh, in China. Um, uh, thank you very much for having me here today to, uh, with uh, such a great panelist uh, to discuss this uh, interesting topic, uh, green shipping. Um, I believe green shipping is really the trend of the future and uh, uh, it is really fantastic to be here and uh, I'm really excited to be, to be invited. Thank you. Okay, thanks for all the brief introduction. Uh, let's get into the topic. So as we all know that in London this July, IMO has significantly strengthened the ambition for internet shipping in terms of decarbonization with the ultimate goal to reach the net zero by 2050. And we're also seeing that in the, in the market, they are basically have three fundamental drivers to actually increasing the pressure uh, for decarbonization that can be on a regulator, that both from IMO and also regional regulator like EU, but also expectation from the cargo owner and consumer, last but not least, but also access to the capital and also investors. So uh, maybe we start from uh, the sharing from the panelists that with all this coming to play, uh, do you believe that it's possible for internet shipping to decarbonize by uh, 2050? And what will be the major challenge? Maybe we also start uh, with Judy. Um, yes, I think uh, it will happen because that is the, definitely the trend um, for, for the shipping industry. Um, but of course, we have uh, um, quite a lot of challenges um, for this uh, transiting uh, periods, um, including uh, regulations, um, including the customer interests, and as well as like uh, owners uh, like Norden, we need to all also optimize our uh, operations. So in that aspect, uh, yes, uh, it can um, be fulfilled, but uh, still need a lot of efforts. Yeah. Thank you. Daryl? <clears throat> yes, of course, uh, will, uh, will happen, uh, this uh, decarbonization. And we know that um, IMO has uh, settled an ambitious target only the last uh, July has been agreed the, the final uh, strategy from uh, IMO for the decarbonization in, uh, let's say, net zero close to 2050. And this is a very ambitious target because uh, when we do a new building uh, today, this ship will be very young in 2030 and 2040. And uh, what is more uh, challenging is this uh, intermediate checkpoint of IMO to do the minus 20, minus 30% CO2 reduction. So a lot of uh, work uh, needs to be done. Yeah, thanks. Zhang Zong. I Okay, Daisy. Yes, thank you. I think it's possible, we think it's possible that we, up to the 2050, we will be, let's say, big possibility to have this decarbonization. 
However, in front of us, there are some certain difficulties and challenges indeed. Among all of these, I think I have three points to mention here. First of all, the time is pricing. This, now we are talking about the green shipping for the decarbonization, which is actually a few revolution in our industry. We have to bear in mind the previous revolution took us quite a lot of time. It cannot be, Roman was not built in a day. So we have to be patient with the time. Further to that, the, the technology need a lot of support from the scientific side on the, uh, for the good uh, view, good choice for us, and also for a good supply system, all of this. So this, this is also we have to keep in mind. The last one is that very important for all the ship owners. Everybody, all the colleagues has a good will that to, uh, to do the best for the decarbonization. However, we need to find also work out to find a way to keep the balance between the operation and also the cost and the time of the decarbonization. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Um, actually, my, um, my, my point echoes uh, Dave Eager's uh, point. Uh, I think this is the biggest uh, challenge to the maritime industry uh, even up to 2050. Uh, many of the proposed changes needed to uh, meet the 2030 deadlines are, I believe, manageable where, uh, with the uh, technology improvements and uh, for, for efficiency, uh, including such things like um, uh, weather routing, uh, engine efficiency improvements, uh, slow steaming, short-term transition to uh, intermediate fuels like uh, LNG. Um, as far as the interest, uh, industry reaching the 2050 objectives, um, that will be a significant challenge uh, as not only will there, will there be requirements for new fuels, um, they must be readily available in scale as well as the uh, new technology, new engine technology available to meet the requirements. Um, the availability of the alternative fuels I believe will be a significant challenge to the industry as a whole, as uh, we, are not, we are competing with uh, other industries uh, for these fields, like the aviation industry. Thank you. Yeah, Zhang Zhong, I can you can just introduce our Huaguang. Oh, okay, I'm late, because I'm following the pattern of the 那么我们是一家基于香港本地的一个传统公司 那说明这些压力对于大家来讲就是一种驱动性 
，最大的不确定性其实就是什么？最大的不确定性就是我们的绿色燃料最后啊、呃、落到哪个点上啊、呃？如果没有这个确定性，呃，不是很清晰的话。特别对于我们船东和操作的人来讲，哪怕包括船厂造船来说，呃，都是有有比较大的挑战的。那我们到底朝哪个方向走呢？从某种意义上来讲，呃，这些的科学的发展和这些呃技术的要求，应该不完全在我们船东的身上，但实际上这是我们需要承担的责任。那么，既然大家已经朝这方面努力了，有很多东西我们已经。大部分在完成了，那我觉得到了那个时间点上，我们应该能够呃完成这些东西。好，那我就讲这一点。Thanks for all this sharing. I think we may、uh, conclude from the panel discussion on this question that is quite challenging, no doubt, but it's possible and also something we have to do, we have to handle. And I want to also、uh, refer a little bit on the discussion or sharing from our panelists. Like、uh, we need to do it step by step. It's a long journey. But we also need to see that the, any new tonnage we are placing now probably will have a big impact due to this target. So we have to take also action in this decade and also first the solutions that can be ready to scale. So I think that we are looking at the ship owners; they are taking action indeed. So according to latest statistic, the ship owners are investing on the fuel flexibility. You can see that also from DMV AFI、uh, statistics, the platform. That showing that almost half of the new tonnage that ordered now in the order book are actually able to run、uh, alternative fuels, and we're also seeing the industry taking continuous effort on energy efficiency. So I want to also ask our panelists to share their experience on the alternative fuel and also future development, and also the let's say energy efficiency measure that、uh, which will help the industry to decarbonize. Okay, so maybe we start also from Judy. Thank you.、Um, I think it's a very good question、um, because, as a ship owner, we are also thinking how we can, on one hand,、uh, compliance with the with the regulation, and the others,、uh, on the other hand, optimize our own operation and decrease our own cost. I can share one、uh, some data with、uh, with audience that uh, Northern uh, actually from 2023. Uh, we are voluntarily reduced our vessel speed, and、uh, in doing that, of course, the one thing that optimizing the, the fuel consumption, and the other, other、uh, on the other hand, we also controlled our carbon and the CO2 emissions, and in doing that, our cost for 2023 has been increased around 10 million US dollars, but at the same time, we.、Uh, We help to reduce、uh, 160,000 tons of、uh, CO2 emissions. So that is uh, the uh, how to say social responsibility、um, for the shipping company like、uh, like Northern. And regarding the、um, just like Jason mentioned, this、um, alternative、uh, fuels, and we have been cooperating with、uh, one company called the Mesh, and they are the、uh, Danish Indian、uh, scale up. Which、uh, they researches, develops, and、uh, also produce uh, the uh, renewable fuel that coming from the biomass、uh, biomass waste.、Um, so we are、uh, we have uh, some uh, minority stake in these companies.、Uh, why we doing that? Because we think for the next few years it's a kind of a strategic partnership as,、um, with Norden, and、uh, we can how to say we can secure、um, the 
um, the, 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 we can secure the supply of uh, bio, biofuel and also at the same hand um, trying to get that at a competitive price. And in doing, so, uh, in doing so, we can also help to decrease our customers, our charters, their supply chain uh, costs. Um, so that is what Northern is uh, doing now. The reason why we use uh, uh, biofuel in this transiting time is because it can use the, in the existing vessel. Um, so which means we don't really need to build a new, uh, uh, new vessels with new technologies. It can be used in the existing vessels. That can help uh, the Northern to decrease the cost. But of course, for the uh, alternative fuel, that is definitely trend. So Northern also uh, cooperate with Maersk, uh, Maersk Muller uh, Carbon Free Center, which that uh, they are uh, have some ongoing projects regarding the carbon free uh, vessels, and we are also uh, get our vessels like uh, laboratories uh, for those uh, for for this center, and which means that they can use our vessels as um, as a test and whether the ongoing projects and also the new uh, alternative uh, uh, fuels can be used in, in, the, in the dry bulk vessels and also tankers. Um, so yeah, that is what uh, we are doing now. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Very interesting uh, perspective. In, um, in Grimaldi, uh, we have uh, some annual emission of CO2 can be higher than 5 million tons of CO2 because we operate, as I said, uh, up to 150 ships. And sometimes the speed is also imposed by the market. For example, for passenger, you cannot arrive too late uh, to an island or somewhere else. So um, on one side, the operational aspects are, uh, are very important and uh, any energy saving solution, including uh, the schedule uh, or adjusting the speed uh, or adjusting uh, uh, the schedule or the technological uh, retrofit from uh, the uh, silicon paint for mm -hmm. the hull resistance uh, and all the technology that exists, like the air lubrication or the most innovative technologies we try to apply because even uh, only 1% in full uh, reduction means a big reduction in CO2 emission and uh, tend to align ourselves to the new indexes and targets. However, when it goes to the risk related to the new alternative fuels, there are big risks because such alternative fuel today not have the logistic chain, the availability in the port. We speak about methanol, we speak about ammonia, also, our new PCTC will be ammonia ready. Nevertheless, there is no ammonia today, especially no green ammonia in any port. So it's a big challenge in front of us. It's not something like changing a bulb lamp in the house. So it's a very big challenge. And then what is necessary? It is necessary that ship owners are helped in this transition. And this is why we support this uh, fund and reward system at IMO. This levy cannot be something uh, only in Europe. Because the, even though 
it's already arrived in Europe, this, uh, this tax. This account only 7% of worldwide shipping emissions, while it's creating a big market distortion. On the other end, IMO should apply something like a flat contribution that is a system that could be more fair and, um, and use uh, the money for uh, covering uh, the gap. Because initially, this new fuel will cost uh, two times, three times. So how can we, as a ship owner, uh, uh, buy such expensive fuel without um, knowing where is available? Uh, so there are m many aspects that still need to be developed. Uh, the, the, the ship owners cannot be left uh, alone to, to, to cover this. Would happen very difficultly if there is no such a mechanism helping the transition. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm in the position of Dario on this point of view about the big challenge. We are here all together. We are discussing and what has been discussed before and will be same will discuss for a long time in the future is about the possibility and the way of the screen of the decarbonization. Uh, compared with those big uh, container owners and operators and uh, who, who are contributing more today to this revolution, not because they have a stronger feeling than us, but from the reality as bulk carriers, we are a little bit, especially for, for example, for our company, the fleet consists the majority by the, the bulk fleet consists the majority by, uh, mainly by the Panamax, which we don't know where the vessel will call, not like containers or even the rural. So uh, we, we are not sure also where, if we, in which port the vessel will call, and if we can get a ready solution, uh, uh, proper delivery. For example, Dario mentioned also, it's also the, the trends of the industry that there are many, many trials. We are trying many possibilities. The benzoyl, the hydrogen, and even today the ammonia. Seems to most of the people, ammonia maybe is the best solution, but still it's not real, realistic for today. So as a, as a traditional shipping company, our company, Together with the big uh, container lines operators, we are also at the forefront of the technology. We cooperate, we involved with uh, several major uh, classification societies, uh, and also in the National University of Athens, uh, we are working on involving into several projects for the data collections. This is for the operation ships. By the high-frequency data collections, then we could also minimize our footprint, our environment footprint. So, and also, on top of that, we are also doing something study together with others, try to find a better solution for the vessel already in operation. The new buildings, we are rely on, more rely on the main engine makers and also on those scientists, the research centers which will help us to uh, bring us a better solution. So everybody is trying the best to, 
for the industry, for our growth. Thank you. That's all. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, I would like to answer this question from uh, PNI perspective. Um, as PNI Club, we are strong supporters of our members in uh, in their transition to DCAP. However, we play no direct role here in the transition process. Uh, we are aware of uh, there are many uh, technical, operational, uh, training, safety challenges to uh, for seafarers to the uh, transition to the new fuels. The I think the primary role, uh, direct role of Piano Club uh, at this point in time is, uh, I believe, directly related to the chart bodies and uh, contracts. Um, our initiatives are currently uh, focused on providing education uh, for our members as how we view these issues through uh, PNI lens, how that will affect our existing uh, PNI cover. Um, as we implement new technology in uh, maritime industry, uh, we need to understand that uh, uh, this can change the risk profile. Um, every new technology brings with it a new set of challenges and uh, risks that need to be managed. Uh, we got traditional fuel like bunker oil that will pose uh, grave uh, environmental risks. Um, a potential spill from a grounding case like, uh, say, like a grounding case that could have uh, disastrous environmental implications. Um, well, alternative fields uh, will, uh, are generally less harmful to the immediate environment, but they come with their own safety uh, con consequences, um, like the ammonia, uh, highly toxic um, hydrogen, uh, which is uh, explosive, and uh, uh, the batteries. Uh, could uh, potentially uh, catch fire, as we saw in the past years about the EV cars. Uh, um, the introduction of new technology could also uh, bring change, uh, ch change the r uh, risk landscape for the uh, machinery failures. Um, so we need to ensure that new technologies are uh, robust and are resilient. <coughs> and uh, that we got the necessary uh, contingencies in place. So as we, are, as we transition to new fuels and technology, I believe uh, correct operations and uh, good, uh, good handlings of this will, be, uh, will become even more critical. So it is crucial for the, uh, for the market, for the industry, I mean, uh, to, de to develop, to implement and enforce a Right, right procedures and the protocols uh, to manage these new risks. Yeah. Thank you. Number one, I looked at Jody and in this paper, he talked about a lot of technical things. Number two, like Darryl said, whether it's jacun or an, this material to say, whether it's jacun or an, 转换的话，对于任何一个船东来讲都不是特别容易的事情。对于我们来讲，呃，不能把这个责任全部都放在船东身上。那么跟大家分享一样东西，就像 Daisy 说的，可能集装箱船在这方面啊，呃，走得比较快一点吧。我们华光有一条呃 LNG 的 Bank Barge 在上海操作，那就是专门为达飞这个集装箱公司，他们来是靠上海码头的时候
呃来做的这个操作。当然，对于很多其他的船船来讲，这样做并不容易。所以，对于我们一个船东来讲，从某种方面上来说，呃，不会很激进的来选取到底呃在新造船上应该走哪一步，可能最多的选择到目前为止最多的应该是一个呃 follow up 的这呃在。跟从的一个角度来做这件事情吧。那么，如果说从呃呃减减低风险的这个角度上来讲，我觉得可能呃在目前为止，应该是说呃有几个点。第一个点是说什么呢？第一个点就是说，当我们新造船和我们现有船的这些操作上来说，应该把那些尽可能不是新燃料的、尽可能能够节碳减排的这些东西都做到。呃，做到最好，不管是 shaft generator 也好，还有比较呃效果比较好的油气也好，包括我们这些航行的措施上也好，包括船员的操作上也好，可能这是我们实际操作层面上的东西。那么先把这些东西做好，做到极致，然后等这个整个的 picture 比较清楚的以后，我们再做，可能对船东来讲，它的风险就更小一点。好，我简单的讲这么点。Okay, thanks for all the sharing on this topic. I think we can experience that all the panelists, the company, are taking real actions. Either can be energy efficiency, either can be alternative fuel, biofuel, biodiesel, as mentioned, and also some innovative like air lubrication, as Dario mentioned. But I think it's important to notice all the panelists also highlight that. There are also big challenge and also uncertainty, especially on the alternative fuel. It can come with availability, can come with a higher cost, and also that different segment may move at a different speed, like the liner, like container may move faster, as we are seeing. So I think that we can. This is also very good to lead to the next question. I want to uh, ask the panelists to share that, like the fuel. I think that according to latest uh, study that in DMV, maybe I can also share a figure. That in order to achieve the IMO 2030 target, that actually the international shipping would require 30 or 40 percent of global natural uh, uh, net zero uh, alternative fuel or green fuel production, and that is quite challenging. So we would say that we should not in this journey. I think we should leave no stone unturned. So we should try our best, as Desi also mentioned. So. All the panelists actually also highlight that ship owners should not left alone. That in this journey, so we should work hands in hand with the industry in the sta other stakeholder. So my question to the panelists is that we are seeing that more and more regulation like CRI and EU, uh, all this uh, ETS is coming to into force. So how? What's your uh, action and experience that how you are implement this? Regulations in the near future, in this decade, but also how you are seeing the、uh, trend that this go beyond the technical compliance issue alone is actually very much get to get into the customer, your cargo owner, your、uh, financing. So maybe、uh, good to looking forward to share on this respect from our panel. Maybe we can also start.、Uh, maybe we start with the PI PNI、uh, club because it's very much that you are connecting with different your members. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Yeah. The、um, EXI regulations may require、uh, technical modifications on ships for for compliance purpose.、Uh, well, CRI regulations、um, will likely necessitate operational changes.、Um, I, I think the primary 
obligations for both is due on the um, ship owner's shoulder. Uh, but p and clubs are often uh, are very frequently uh, called to assess both uh, uh, ship owners and charters yeah, for this kind of inquiries. Um, given the operational focus of CII, I believe um, charters also need to understand the, and uh, understand the calculation and the data uh, on which these uh, calculations are based. Uh, it is uh, particularly important. Um, considering uh, the first annual reporting uh, will be completed in uh, 2023 uh, with initial ratings to be uh, released uh, in 2024. Uh, I think transparency, transparency of emissions data uh, will be very crucial and uh, uh, it will be required continuously so that uh, charters can understand um, how their orders will have impact on their ships. So um, slow steaming is also, I, I think slow steaming is, is expected to play a very significant role in uh, the CII compliance. Um, other strategies uh, could also include weather routing um, for more fuel efficient routes, reducing time in anchorage, uh, and uh, less cargo intake. I think all these strategies will require the cooperation, uh, uh, require the cooperation of the charter and the ch time charter party. <clears throat> um, compliance with compliance with CII e EXI regulations will necessitate the uh, cooperation, but more importantly, the compromise between uh, ship owners and uh, charters. I think the maritime industry has already. Uh, start taking actions to balance the uh, rights and uh, obligations between these two parties. Um, Binko CII class is one of the examples uh, of the industry's uh, efforts to address these issues. Well, it may not be a uh, perfect solution or final solution to the challenges between these two parties, but I think it serves as a very good uh, uh, starting point and base for both parties to uh, can use while considering uh, CII issues um, in the context of a uh, time charter party discussion. Right. Um, so uh, the club would recommend the members to uh, to consider to incorporate those kind of clauses into uh, their usual uh, charter party terms, and uh, of course keep an eye on any other uh, emission and. Uh, regulatory uh, related classes, uh, for example, the Binko ETS class, right? Yeah, thank you. Okay, thanks. Daisy, could you continue? Yeah, I think uh, Joy mentioned that from his point of view, chargers and owners need to cooperate on the charter parties' side. But I think all of this effort, uh, all of this uh, finally will be paid by the final consumer, yeah. not by owner or by the charters. But uh, it will take some time for this uh, carbon intensity index uh, and also all of the other regulations, which is now the IMO and Marine Economic Protection Committee is trying to uh, uh, trying to uh, enforce in the industry. That is uh, very very important for all of us to cooperate, as you just mentioned. So the 
very important and very helpful for, for all of us here is that uh, there should be the strong support from the scientists. This is science and technology as the primary productive force. Let's say will we'll, we'll help us to reach our target. Of course, as us here, colleagues, all colleagues here, we need also to do our best to support, to give them some necessary assistance also to these studies, which will benefit at the end all of our industry and societies. That's all. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So maybe we keep Ms. Zhang as last. So, Daryl, you can. Okay. Thank you for the question. Yes, these um, indexes, uh, regulatory indexes of efficiency, uh, came into force uh, rapidly, uh, also during uh, COVID. And uh, EEXI, energy efficiency of existing ship, uh, is done because it was compulsory by January 2023. Now it's done. Uh, it, our experience, we managed to obtain the, the new certificate um, quite okay. Some ships needed to install this, uh, that is called uh, EPL, engine power limitation, uh, on some ships. But uh, mainly, it was a, a good uh, index uh, Recertifying in a way the, the the efficiency of the ship, like the like the EDI energy efficiency design, while the other one, the other index, is a carbon intensity indicator CII. This is a more complex because um, affect the operation, but uh, the denominator don't really explain what you carry, but is only a proxy of what you can carry. So it's like a GT or deadweight. In our case, it's mainly GT or that would. Uh, but um, then there are some distortion in this uh, index. Uh, for example, uh, if because on the numerator is only your uh, full consumption, your emissions, and on the denominator is about uh, what you could carry and the miles that you cover. So it's the transport work. So what happens is that um, if a ship, for example, uh, is empty. Uh, the full consumption is less because the draft is less. So your index is better, but your efficiency actually is no good in terms of what you carry because you are not carrying anything. So all the ballast voyage uh, for a tanker or for, uh, for our type of uh, Roro vessel uh, affected by the draft. Strangely, uh, you are better if you do worst in terms of what you carry. And uh, including uh, on the miles, Eventually, you can get a benefit if you go around the world instead of going straight because you do more miles. And this is also not very efficient. Or the emissions that you do at BERT or at Anchor or waiting, they count uh, zero for the index. So uh, the, they penalize the index while you are simply waiting because maybe the port is not ready to take the ship. Or, uh, so there are a number of things that needed to be reviewed, and in this sense, there is now the review at IMO uh, next year. Uh, we will have the first rating, uh, A, B, C, D, E, uh, in March about, and, uh, but the review will start soon. So uh, we, we agree that uh, the cooperation 
among the various uh, associations is important uh, to address uh, the specific need for a better index, because uh, everybody of us want uh, a fair index. So we want to reach this, uh, this target. Uh, the intermediate target for decarbonization is very important. I think everybody here agreed that uh, we wanted to show the efficiency, but we also needed the right formula to express what, what, uh, what you're doing when you do something well. Another um, important uh, thing that uh, needs to be addressed in these uh, indexes and legislation is about um, to introduce uh, the possibility to account when you do biofuel, when you do carbon capture. Carbon capture is also a very promising technology for shipping mm -hmm. and can be combined with the exhaust gas cleaning system to continue to use in parallel also the fossil fuel, not because we have so many existing ships that cannot be switched to hydrogen. This is unrealistic, totally unrealistic. So what we can do is to work towards technological possibilities and the biofuel, but also the carbon capture is an option and maybe can be done also by the refinery ashore. So the, 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 the carbon capture and the reducing the CO2 into the fuel, not necessarily has to come from the shipping service where it could be very complicated, but um, the fuel produced in the refinery could be uh, already um, reduced the CO2 content by, by paper in the end, but is, you do somewhere else and you account it into the fuel. Because uh, I think... Uh, I would like to underline that this uh, revolution of the decarbonization is not something that the ship owner can do alone. Yeah. We are a, a big cluster. Uh, we are ship owner, operators, uh, the engine manufacturer, but especially there is a big um, uh, the fuel produced by the, by the land, the refineries. If uh, uh, shipping take uh, maybe less than 10% of the, of, the, of, the, of the fuel. The rest is for automotive and, uh, and land transport. So if these new fuels need to be changed, this is something that needs to come from the whole industry. And of course, we can, we can contribute to take the, the right fuel, uh, but uh, the big um, change has to come uh, all over uh, the big cluster. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> maybe also Judy, you can also shortly introduce. Um, actually, regarding EU ETS um, and also CRI, this uh, IMO new rules, just as uh, Daisy and also Dario mentioned, that it's not a only owner thing. And frankly speaking, we believe that this cost issue lay with, uh, with charters instead of owners. So in real practice, we have some customers already asking us to including that cost into the freight. And we already have done some contracts with Australian uh, green players. And we try our best to explain to them why these charters need to handle this amount of costs. And they finally understand and uh, we uh, put that cost into the freight. So I think charters, they are also satisfied with, uh, with this, this solution. Um, and regarding this um, uh, EU allowance, I think Northern, uh, we are already hedging some exposure and we're trying our best to uh, provide different solutions uh, to our 
um, customers, especially for our, our cargo owners, yeah, uh, to serve their needs. Um, but I should say that uh, for most of charters, it's a still a, a kind of blind area um, because most uh, charters still think, okay, I, I understand uh, in my, I might need to take responsibility of this cost, but how much it costs? Can owners tell me the exact number of, of that? I think it's a still kind of blind area, which uh, we need uh, really to enter 2024 to see the, the real influence for, for ship owners. Yeah, yeah, that's my, my opinion. Good,那行那我我刚才听了大家还是在这方面讲了很多比较大的方向的东西在我这里可能分享一点实际操作的内容吧那什么叫实际操作的内容首先第一个其实对于 最大的想要采取的方式就是跟随冰扣的这个条款来进行操作这样的话对大家可能都会比较方便那么在实际的操作过程当中呢其实我觉得它涉及到了两个方面一个就是说这个碳的排放的记录需要相对的准确这个准确
Chatpati 的操操作层面上来说，应该是说目前为止，呃，跨越二零二三到二零二四年的租约，我们已经把这些冰口的条款加进去了。那么已经已经在和租家之间进行这样的探讨了。大家觉得这个可行性还是比较高的。那么除了这两个方面之外，那么我们呃操作的层面上来讲，我觉得呃。还是需要吧，不管是保险公司也好，船东也好，船厂也好，方方面面的配合，呃，才有可能把这项东西做得更好。在这里，我可以另外的提一点的是关于资本的方面，啊、呃，关关于资本方面在这方面上面啊、呃、所做出的努力。其实我们呃华光在呃关于 ESG 这方面的内容，除了是绿色航运方面。在其他的方面也有涉及，什么叫在其他的方面也有涉及呢？因为 ESG 本来是呃呃联合国有十七个目标的，那在这方面我们多多少少都有一定的涉及。这些涉及的内容有什么呢？比如说我们呃呃为了这些绿色航运的东西啊、呃，节能减排的内容啊、呃，我们在呃欧洲吧投了一个关于风电的这么一个项目啊、呃，在非洲那边。也投了一个更小的项目，那个项目是什么呢？是一个呃，关于呃一个呃一个可以减少燃量的炉子的这样的东西。那么呃，除此之外，在我们其实我们 ESG 的项目还有什么？还有关于教育方面的。那么教育方面的呃投资也有这些东西。那么在这方面，经过了这方面很多的努力，呃，我们其实，在最近这几年，呃，资本给给过我们在绿。这些绿色环保上的支持，因为可能看到华光这方面的努力，最后我们其实，在银行那边是拿到呃比较低息的贷款来 cover 这件事情的，对我们起到了比较大的帮助。那么，其实，在日常操作当中，啊、呃，我们大家都知道有碳信用这件事情，虽然它到目前为止，碳信用还是一种什么呢？还是一种自愿的方式。那么，呃、华光所能已经做到的，其实除了。很多公司做的一样内容是什么呢？就是我们办公室的员工啊、呃，出差完了以后，那、呃、他在他的整个的行程当中产生的碳的排放，会以碳信用的方式来抵消。那么我们除此之外，其实说跟香港的中电进行了一个合作。那这个合作的话，就是说除了抵消了我们员工的这些碳信用，而且在我们航次操作当中的碳信用，我们也有抵消的操作。所以基于这么多的努力，我想。在做这些努力的过程当中，不仅仅是华光，我觉得行业当中有很多公司，包括绝对公司，都做了很多这项的努力。所以从这个角度上来讲，虽然有很大的风险，我觉得在将来的话，我们这个就像我们开头提的问题，二零二五五零年是不是能实现这个目标？我觉得应该还是希望很大的。好，我就分享这么一点。Okay, thanks for all the excellent sharing, and also the panel is coming to the end. But I think that the race to the zero. Is actually just begun, and also is accelerating. As all the panelists highlighted in all the discussion, that the ship owner should not left alone. I think this is very also appreciate take opportunity appreciate Capital Link and also Exxon Bank to arrange that we are saying that Capital Link we are linking to the capital and also to our customer. This is the way that how the shipping can decarbonize. I want to say that the authentic the. We talk about a lot on the alternative fuel, but the cooperation is a true fuel for the future. By saying that, I want to thanks for all the panelists' excellent sharing and also your attention to this panel discussion. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you.